Hi, welcome back to our um, podcast. Uh, we continue with um, chapter 3, slide number 37. Okay, um, so you can look at the graph, the population, uh, household and household size. So if you look at the green graph, the number of uh, population size is increasing from 1970s to 2010. That is the official data. Uh, from there onward, onwards 2020, 30, and 40 is just a uh, forecasted based on the previous data. But as forecasted, the number of population will will increase. However, although the population is increased, but the number per household is getting getting smaller. If you look at the graph, uh, the blue graph below, in the in the 70s, one household, meaning one house, one family will in average will consist of 5.5 uh, people per house but if we're moving in the future to, uh, to the future uh, they have forecasted that in 2020 there only be four uh, person four person per four people per household so meaning that we need more house Although the population increase, okay, imagine in 1970s, um, the population is 10.8 million divided by 5.5. So you can roughly calculate the number of uh, houses in that. But when you go towards the future, because of the lower um, people per household, so we take the 2020 figures, 32 0.4 million you only divide by 4 meaning that we need more houses compared to the previous decades and in my opinion this um, because of the uh, shrinkage of number of people per house maybe we need less number of um, bedrooms for example maybe we need less square footage per household And these figures can help the planners and the architects and also the local authority to um, design and estimate what are the suitable um, size of a house in the future. Maybe it is not as what we used to it now. Maybe the, the size of the houses will be smaller Number one is the advantage is we can get we can sell the house at a cheaper price, and number two, number two because of the less household per less sorry less people per household means that there will be less people in a house. So meaning that the square footage of the house can be a little bit bit smaller. So that is that is uh, my opinion. Okay, we continue with slide number thirty eight. Okay, slide number 38 um, is on the um, housing policy. Uh, uh, slide number 38 can be, I think you can read it on yourself. I think it's, it's very self-explanatory. You can read it yourself. And actually, um, housing policy uh, subtopic is part of your um, task too. And as, as I mentioned earlier, in the Google Classroom um, uh, notes, I've mentioned that we, at the moment, we have a housing policy version 2.0. And the one that in the slide is housing policy from 2011, which is uh, already obsolete. But you can compare these two policies and you can come out with your um, Uh, I mean your comparison why there is a changes in the policy why we need to change the policy okay um, I think you can read it all on yourself so we can skip all this part and we continue with um, housing programs in Malaysia in uh, in page 56 okay and then we continue in our Uh, next podcast thank you
Hi, welcome back. We continue with the housing programs in Malaysia in slide number 56. Okay, go to the next slide, slide number 57. So basically, housing programs we have, can divide it into two. Uh, number one is um, programs uh, developed by the public sector, which is the government, and the second one is the uh, programs developed by uh, private sector. Okay, for public sector, um, and from the slides, there are public block of housing. Um, they have uh, names have been changed uh, through the years, but they used to be called. Uh, Program Perumahan Awam Pos Rendah or PPAKR, but at the moment they change to PPR. PPR stands for Program Perumahan Rakyat. They miliki means that they sell the the house to the um, eligible um, occupants. The second one is the Program Perumahan Rakyat Bersepadu or PPRB or PPRD Sewa. Uh, this is another program where they rented out. And then they have multiple programs uh, such as Rumah Transit Satu Malaysia RTIM RT sorry RT1M uh, rent to own scheme uh, scheme pinjaman perumahan my home and etc. Uh, we will we will go uh, into details in the um, in the next slides. And then you have sites and services scheme housing by commercial agencies, housing in land scheme and institutional quarters and staff accommodation. Um, if you Thing that you have um, uh, saw this before, uh, I think this is just a uh, the same, not the same, not exactly the same, but um, the the more details from what you have learned in your um, semester six uh, diploma level. Okay, uh, in private sector, they are programs, housing programs developed by the, the private developers and also the cooperative societies or cooperasi and also developed by individuals and groups. Individuals in this is, um, for example, your father has a piece of land, um, then your father want to build their own house, then it's, it, it can the project can be considered as a private housing program. Okay. Or if your um, your grandfather have a big piece of land, and um, he gave them to your fathers and their, and his siblings, and they decided to build uh, uh, maybe five number of um, uh, semi-dis house to uh, I mean to stay in the in the same piece of land that can be considered as a private. Um, groups, eh? private in private projects. Okay, we go to the first one. Program Perumahan Awam Kos Rendah. Okay, so this this project is um, have been developed to help the low income group in the rural areas and the suburbs with basic and social facilities, and then financed uh, from loans from federal government to the state government. Uh, so the state government will will find the suitable sites. The funds, the the money will come from the federal government. The state will find the sites, the land, eh? and it is based on demand and target groups. And it will be scrutinized. That the the buyers will be scrutinized means that they will check the eligibility of the buyers in detail before they can get the financing from the uh, government. Uh, but uh, the name of PPAKR has been changed to, as I mentioned before, is PPR Dimiliki since um, 2002. So the next slide, slide number 60. So there is the target target uh, income, less than 1.5,000 ringgit. And um, the type of houses are different according to the location. In urban areas, mostly is uh, flats. And for rural and suburban is terrace houses. The house size is minimum 700 square feet, uh, which is around 65 um, square meter. Okay. 
like I said before, 1,000 square feet is about uh, the size of a um, single-story terrace house. It's around 1,000 to 1,200 square feet. So 700 700 square feet is quite quite small. Okay, but still still acceptable. So it should have three bedrooms. Why? Because you have one bedrooms for your for the parents, one bedroom for all the sons, and one for daughters. Uh, in the eighties, they used to develop uh, flats with minimum of two bedrooms, which is a problem uh, when they have um, uh, sons and daughters, which is. Uh, when they have um, sons and daughters, they will have a lack of privacy between the the children. So, uh, a more recent uh, design, more recent requirement, they need to develop uh, minimum three three bedrooms, eh? and then you have one living room, a kitchen, and a separate toilet. Separate toilet means one just uh, for bath, one one bathroom, one with water closet. But sometimes the the owner will um, modify a bit, and they put a shower in the uh, the the toilets and the 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 room the bathroom with the WC. Okay, the sale price is um, twenty five thousand, but has increased um, up to forty thousand in in Sabah and Sarawak. Okay, so uh, so. As I mentioned before, as we we have discussed in the previous slide, the the price in Sabah and Sarawak is a little bit higher, which is correlate with the um, the actual uh, property prices. Okay. And then we go to the next uh, PPRB program perumahan rakyat bersepadu, or we call it PPR disewa. So PPR disewa means that uh, as the name mentioned it is for rental so the purpose of PPR receiver is to reduce the squatters so that is the difference between PPR dimiliki and PPR receiver so the basic um, mode of operandi or the uh, process of development is a bit uh, quite similar but the, the the objective of the project is to reduce the, the squatters And then the size is uh, the type is same, but the rental rate is 100 fixed at 124 ringgit per month. Okay. And then we go to the next slide, 60, uh, slide number 63. So this is the uh, brochures from the website uh, from KPKT, eh, Kementerian Perumahan dan Kerajaan Tempatan. So basically the same, eh, PPR dimiliki. Uh, slide number 64 uh, see this this is the open registration system so open registration system is the method of uh, how the government will screen the um, bias eligibility uh, based on the criteria as you can see the guidelines from 1997 98 and 2006 has been slightly modified so the recent one is 2006, the highest point um, they will look at the uh, household income number one and also the dependence. So dependence means that um, how many people are living in the same house. For a single parents, maybe they have uh, five children, or uh, for parents they have uh, uh, six children plus yeah, fathers, for example. So the higher the dependence, the higher the the maximum points and if you get the it will uh, the points then will be add up from uh, point number 1 to point number 12 the disabled spouse the maximum is 100 points so they will rank out so which one for example they have 100 units of PPR so meaning that the 1 to 100 is ranked based on the Uh, points awarded. So let's say that up to 100 uh, units, the person at the number 100, the uh, um, his or her point is, let's say 70s. So the 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 buyers will with 
points 69 and below will don't have uh, will not have the opportunity to to buy or to rent the PPR. Okay. And if you look at table number 65, you can see that the the um, re reduction of uh, squatters from 1999 to 2013 um, since the introduction of uh, PPR disable. So you can see that the reduction, if you look at the emulations uh, average, so the, the reduction is up to 87.5%, which is excellent. A, eh? you get an A. A. Okay, if you look at Sarawak, it's not that much. It's 29,000 household. It's not that much. Eh? Sabah, uh, Selangor and KL is the, is the highest. Eh? And then page number 66 is the another housing program, Rumah Transit One Malaysia. Uh, this is quite interesting. But I want you to look at it yourself, read it yourself. It's quite interesting. And um, maybe um, related to you in the near future, perhaps. <laughs> okay, uh, 66 and 67, you can read it yourself. Uh, I think we stop. I, I stop now. We, we continue in uh, later in, in slide number 68. Thank you. Okay, I will come back. We continue with slide number 68. Uh, so number 68 is the rent to own schemes also by the uh, KPKTA from the government. So this is the opportunity um, given for the um, for the potential um, candidates or eligible candidates that unable to get financing from the uh, financial institution. So instead, they will apply uh, through the government, but they have to go through two years probation periods um, before they have the opportunity to, to buy the PPR. And the rate is very reasonable, which is between 200 and 250 ringgit a month, which is uh, very reasonable. Uh, if you compare with the rental rate for a house in the Selmu, is more expensive. Eh? You can, um, when I rented out before in 2016, uh, double, uh, sorry, a single story terrace corner, very small house is, uh, is six, 650 ringgit. So imagine that and the rate given from the government is, is is, is acceptable. Eh? If you go to, if you rent a flat in Desa Ilmu, it's all around that figure, eh? around 550 to 600 to 650. So the, the rate is very reasonable. Eh? And then we have another scheme uh, in page number 69, uh, Scheme Pinjaman Perumahan SPP for uh, low income, um, low income, and then the you can read yourself the qualification, um, the terms and condition. So in this case, the scheme they give loans, but you have to use the existing land or your um, what you call that um, tanah. Uh, what you call that? Uh, tanah. Uh, uh, what about? <laughs> uh, tanah keturunan or, or tanah daripada uh, from will from, from the, the grandfathers or their fathers eh? so the land must be charged eh, before the loan be approved in order to be to in, sorry in order to finance Okay, but the the terms uh, the the qualification is also quite straight. The 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 qualification is for 30, 21 to 60 years old, uh, not a government servant or pensioners, and then never have a house. And the um, 
uh, income is between 750 to 2500 so the reason for this is for those who cannot apply loans from the banks so the government um, um, uh, through KPKT uh, will give loans uh, based on the collateral uh, but the, the size of the land is uh, uh, I think it's not that big eh, to, be, to be charged so it's not it's not like you have to charge uh, one acre land eh, to get a loans from the government I think it's a, a lot is smaller than that you can uh, read it uh, and then the maximum is only for 45,000 ringgit and the interest rate is at 2% which is very very cheap even the the um, the LPPSA the housing loans from the government to the staff is fixed at 4% but if you go to the um, private sector from the banks will be much higher not that much but still higher 4.5 4.5 6.4 okay. so the details can you can read it yourself uh, there are terms and conditions for the design of the house and, and um, what are the objectives I think you you can read it based on the, the flyers eh? and then on the on in page 71 this is the example of um, uh, rumah skim pinjaman perumahan SPP so it's very basic with the 45,000 caps, eh, 45,000 um, limit. Eh. So the house is um, is reasonably in size. And then we go to uh, page number 72. So my home, my home scheme, and then the favorite PM of all time. <laughs> okay, uh, the, the scheme was introduced to help the um, uh, private sector okay so all the schemes um, most of the scheme are focusing on uh, public sector and this one is more private sector uh, okay sorry the SPP also focusing on private sector for those who have have, have not worked with the government or uh, the spouse is not working with the government but for my home is specific for the uh, private sector. You look at the schemes in page 73. So, uh, three bedrooms, two baths, and then you have um, uh, basic facilities. You have uh, malls or surah, musola, then parking lot. You have uh, day one and uh, uh, playground. And then the price given is very reasonable. Um, uh, in Semenanjung is slightly slightly cheaper uh, 80 to and then for Sabah Sarawak is 90 to and the price for my home 2 which is a little bit upscale compared to the my home 1 is slightly bigger and then the the requirements the I mean the the income is also allocated for a, a, a bit higher the price will has increased quite significantly if we compare the prices in Semenanjung and Sabah Sarawak the maximum is 50,000 different which is quite a lot eh? 50,000 is a quarter from the 200,000 eh? quarter 25% higher eh? compared to the uh, price in Semenanjung eh? and then the Kaedah Pemilihan Project I think you can read it, read it yourself eh? in page number 74 Okay, and then uh, in page number 75, size and service scheme. Uh, this one is targeted for low-income group who can't afford the PLCHP or uh, PPR, the Miliki. Eh? Uh, this provide a basic house with a view to accommodate future extension. They just provide a piece of land and the infrastructure only. The house will be constructed with the uh, with the uh, buyer's own cost. The government just provide the uh, land, eh, the sites. And then housing, housing by commercial agencies uh, is number page number seventy six, such as uh, SEDC. Over here, also you call it SEDC. Uh, Uda, 
uh, urban development operation UTA is normally in, uh, mostly in Johor and then you have uh, multiple SADC you have um, Sarawak Economic Development Corridor sorry corporation in Sarawak uh, similarly you have every state in Malaysia they have their own SADC but uh, the name is in Malay so PKN eh, PKN Perbanan Kemajuan Negeri so for example in Kedah you have PKN K Kedah eh. Selangor is PKNS so PKNS is quite famous because they have their own uh, their own football teams eh. and then they also um, build houses um, according to their own um, various demand different locations but normally um, the one that quite active uh, is PKNS especially in uh, because they, they, they uh, PKNS is for Selangor uh, PKNS is quite um, what's the word uh, forgot the words they, quite, uh, they built a lot of projects uh, housing projects sometimes they co-develop with the private sector um, people will buy PKNS project because normally the houses the price of the house is quite lower compared to um, housing programs from the private sector slightly lower yeah. and then they have of course of course if you if you are in Shah Alam the, the one of the famous places is Plaza PKNS which is located at the heart of the, the Shah Alam and then the last one, like I mentioned before, this is, um, sorry, uh, the project. Okay, sorry, the the the, the project. Sometimes they develop on their own. Sometimes they co-develop with a private institution or commercial uh, developers. Eh? And then housing in land schemes in page number seventy-seven. So this is uh, the houses provided for the settlers such as uh, settlers for Felda or Felkra uh, normally uh, it, it is uh, detached or semi-detached timber houses but um, for the settlers for, for Felda settlers because my, my uncle is one um, I mean uh, his, his father is one of the settlers of Felda in in northern part of Malaysia uh, so Normally, when the, the the parents is in the Felda settlers, but their kids normally, uh, not normally lah. I mean, in 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 most of the cases, uh, their kids when they have a successful career, normally they will demolish the uh, the the old buildings, the one that you can see from the slides, and they construct a. Um, uh, uh, brick and mortar uh, houses for the parents. That is what what normally happens when when I visit. Uh, I think about ten years ago when I visit the uh, his uh, family's house. About ten years ago, I think um, uh, most of the houses is not timber anymore. Uh, mostly is uh, converted into um, uh, brick and mortar. Uh, brick houses eh? and then the last one is the institutional quarters and staff so this is um, see, you, you can almost um, you can see this even in Samarhan in Tabuan you can see this um, the blue one is normally uh, for uh, police uh, police quarters or quarters police we call it quarters police if you go to Tabuan you can see quarters police or if you go to Bau uh, you can see a big quarters uh, police quarters eh, on the on the right eh, after the Petronas I think and then of, uh, for teachers also they have uh, their own quarters and then for uh, normally near hospitals they have quarters for doctors and for nurses uh, and then in Putrajaya, mostly, uh, most of the buildings, uh, most of the houses in Putrajaya mostly are quarters. So they seg they, they segregate, segregate, it's not the right word. Um, the, the type of houses 
um, basically uh, allocated based on the uh, grades okay for grades 41 if i'm not mistaken so grade 41 they, you either get uh, terrace houses uh, and then if you get a higher grade the house will be uh, better if you get grade 48 uh, 48 is uh, 50, 52 and above normally you get a semi house uh, grade 41 and below normally you will get the uh, high-rise apartment buildings uh, nearby the Putrajaya okay so I stop now and then I continue later with slide number 79 thank you Uh, welcome back. Uh, we continue with slide number 79. So we will look at the authorities responsible in housing provisions. So the, the top level is the federal level um, through the Ministry of Urban Wellbeing, Housing and Local Government or KPKT, eh, Kementerian Perumahan dan Kerajaan Tempatan, which they regulate the licensing of developers eh, as listed um, in the slides, eh, protection of environment, formulation of national housing policy and provide necessary support and policies and programs and for the state's level um, related back to the PPR project where they assisted in um, finding suitable lands to develop PPR uh, they will assist the ministry uh, in tenders, procedures, provision and physical implementation of the housing projects they will identify the uh, eligible buyers um, based on based on the open registration system and they will make the all the arrangement um, and then they will impose the condition of quotas for low cost housing uh, for example um, in housing projects normally uh, at least 30% of the um, area must be uh, they must build a low cost house in the housing development and then they, they regulate the indigenous quota uh, some uh, houses or some buildings are allocated for uh, uh, Bumi's quotas uh, for example in Sarawak you have the um, uh, forgot, uh, low cost and low cost plus uh, which is uh, unique to Sarawak eh? um, so these are under, under states and each state level is um, uh, the condition is slightly different yeah? so for example in in Kelantan, in Sarawak, in Sabah and the condition will be different according to the um, uh, the, 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 the states uh, their own um, uh, their own law, states law and then you have the um, other agencies, you have SEDC, you have UDA Holding, and then uh, institution, uh, development of institutional quarters, corporasi, and the Syarikat Perumahan Negara Barat or SPNB. Um, SPNB is the one who developed the flats uh, at behind the Asma Kek House. I forgot the name of the flats. So the, the, the flats is developed by SPNB. So the, the roles of SPNB is um, is the one who hands on in developing uh, projects under the KPKT. So uh, uh, a few projects uh, developed under SPNB is uh, program program Mampu Milik, Mesra Rakyat, uh, the quarters, and also the rehabilitation of abandoned housing projects, which we will discuss later. So. Uh, just to, to let you know that SPNB, in some cases, they will help to finish to, uh, the projects where, which was abandoned by the developers. So they help the owners or the buyers of the house to complete the house uh, when the house is abandoned. Okay, when we talk about abandoned project, eh, slide number 82. So abandoned house is... Um, the one that I can locate in Kuching, as far as I know, is um, near Noma, uh, Noma Hospital, uh, the opposite of Noma, I think, 
a few a few hundred meters if you come from Matang a few hundred meters you will see the house on your left sorry on your right and Norma hospital will be on the left but a few hundred meters before Norma on the right uh, you can see that some of the houses has been completed uh, they develop uh, terrace houses uh, a few I think three or four units on the right has been completed I don't know whether the um, the owner themselves take the initiative to complete the buildings uh, I'm not sure about that but uh, most of the uh, terrace houses in the same row is abandoned about three to four houses is completed but rarely you can see uh, any abandoned housing project eh, in Sarawak as far as I know in, in Kuching Okay, uh, page number 83 253 uh, housing projects private housing projects were abandoned since 2009 so not 253 houses but 253 projects so one project can be multiple units hundreds or maybe thousands of units so uh, if you read further the the news uh, it involves ia melibatkan 64,291 units which is a lot so uncompleted units and then the uncompleted unit sometimes is being taken over by the uh, SPNB SPNB will help to finish the project uh, I'm not sure about the the loans and the costing um, how much you, the device I'm not sure about that uh, maybe you uh, later I will try to find it or maybe you can if you have found it uh, can you share in Google Classroom uh, so that your friends and I can can read about it eh? I'm not sure about how the arrangement work but uh, but the SPMB will take over the project and they develop and finish the project eh, on behalf of the um, developers okay next slide uh, slide number 84 one abandoned housing projects too many so that's everywhere in this the abandoned project pendekatan baru perlu bagi elak rumah terbengkalai so so if you look at if you read the news it is quite sad eh, because if the house is abandoned the owner still has to pay to the banks up to the level where the building is uh, completed before it is being abandoned okay for example uh, you can think you can look at um, slide number 93 we just skip a little bit slide number 93 so slide number 93 shows the uh, schedule of payments of progress payment um, this is for uh, under construction eh? housing under construction so the house the loans were released before the building is constructed or it's still under construction so if you look at the percentage ansuran-ansuran yang kena dibayar Okay. once the developer has completed each of the milestone the payment in term of percentage will be released to the developers the bank will release the payment to the developers for example after uh, okay, um, agreement has been signed so 10% release uh, foundation 10% frame 15 uh, walls uh, 10% so let's say that the developers abandon the project up to the walls and frames window and uh, door frames so the amount released to the developers from the banks 10 10 20 20 35 45% meaning that 45% from the uh, housing price has been released to the developers 45% so let's say the house uh, cost is 300,000 
So monthly payment of the house is around 1,500 ringgit. If 45% have been released to the developers, okay, so the the buyer has to pay to the banks 675 ringgit, even though the building is being abandoned on site. If the owner is rent at the moment. The family is um, living in a rental house. Let's say one thousand ringgit per month, and they were hoping to move once the building is completed. But since the building is almost halfway done, but abandoned, so the the buyer will has to maintain to live in the same rental house. By paying hundred ringgit, sorry, one thousand ringgit plus the loans that release to the developers, six hundred and seventy-five ringgit. Every month, he still needs he need he he or she needs to pay to the banks for the loan duration. If the loan duration is for thirty years, he has to pay to the bank for thirty years. Pay for nothing for six hundred and seventy-five ringgit. And he cannot do anything about the project unless the SPNB come and help to finish the project, which will take years, maybe ten years, eh, before the SPNB identify the project, everything start the program, everything. Maybe about ten years, then he can move to the buildings. Imagine you paying six hundred and seventy five ringgit per month. One year is already eight thousand one hundred ringgit. If he has to bear the cost for ten years, he has already paid eighty one thousand to the banks. Kesian, eh? So that is why um, my uncle once told me that when you are buying a house under construction, you are buying a piece of paper. You know, you are not buying a house. Uh, legally, you are buying a house, but the chances of building being abandoned is still there. Meaning that if anything happens, you will have a piece of paper and not a a, a house. And he always um, told me, um, it's better buy a second-hand house or sub-sale house, eh? whereby the building is is completed. If loans is approved, then it's just a matter of changing hands between buyer and seller. So the, it will not involve the construction of a building. But of course, the the price is a little bit higher. If if you buy a building, a house under construction, a friend of mine um, bought the the a, a building, a house. Uh, when, uh, for example, eh, the, uh, the the project is uh, still under, still doing the site clearance, the the building, the house is four hundred, four hundred thousand. Once the building is completed, about about two years after that, the remaining house, which is not being sold yet, uh, is four hundred and. Twenty-five thousand ringgit, something four hundred thirty thousand. So the difference of twenty thousand is the risk that you have to take. Whether you are willing to buy a piece of paper or or a completed building, but again, it's up to you. Eh? Um, it is better to find a a developer with a good uh, records, eh? good previous records. It is not a problem if the developers is normally um, finish the, pro- the, the 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 project on time or manage to complete all the projects. But be careful once if you if you if you plan to buy a house uh, from a um, uh, from a new company, so new developers or unrecognized developers. Doesn't mean that they cannot finish the project. Just that the chances, the risk, is a little bit higher with the company with the 
no uh, previous track record. Eh? It is better to find a developers with a good track record to cover your risk, eh? to minimize your risk. But anyway, there are a few a friend of mine managed to buy a, a building fully completed with a new developers. Uh, just just uh, some uh, some developers uh, well-known developers they will try their best to maintain the the quality the uh, the the goodwill of the name uh, of the company to uh, it is hard to to make their name recognized such as for example um, Ibraco for example okay people will buy Ibraco project even though it is a bit higher because they know that Ibraco will deliver the houses let's say the company name is um, uh, uh, Abraco <laughs> or, or something uh, funny with no, no experience this is the first project they developed doesn't mean that it cannot uh, be a successful, successful project but just the risk will be a little bit higher you have to take into account eh? you have to look at the uh, organization charts um, who are the uh, main players uh, of the companies who are the boxers are who are the engineers maybe you ask around eh? but hopefully the project is will be completed on time okay I will stop at slide number 85 uh, please read on the sad story of Inche, uh, who is the name? Kamaruzaman Ismail. Eh? Uh, read the, the newspaper. Eh? And 26 November 2008. Uh, and you can see the, the problem with abandoned house. Okay, we continue later. Thank you. Okay, welcome back. Uh, we're continuing with slide number 86. So, um, these slides discuss the causes, the reasons why a house being left abandoned. Um, this one is from KPKT. So, among the problems are developer cash flow problems. And then, there are disputes between uh, landowners and land developers. Number one, cash flow problems. Maybe the developers didn't manage to get the housing loans. Sorry, not the housing loan. The uh, uh, forgot the name. Bridging finance eh, from the banks. So um, it cannot continue with the project because lack of capital. So they stop the project. Eh? Second one, disputes between landowner and developers. Uh, sometimes the 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 landowner because they don't have any expertise they just have a big piece of land with no expertise no experience no technical knowledge so what they do is that they joint venture with the developers and sometimes the 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 agreement between landowners and land developers varies eh? i know that some some of the landowners they get paid in in terms of houses they get a, a few units of houses developed on this the, on the project as a payment sometimes they um, agreed on the profit base eh? Some, uh, maybe in terms of profit percentage after the house has been sold how many percent uh, they give to the owners and certain percent from the to the developers so when there's a dispute between owners and landowners and developers then the project may be abandoned the third one is uh, detailed market study was not properly done so this is a job of a VQS a VQS uh, didn't manage to plan properly and then maybe probably have to do some costing which is not um, reasonable probably the project will Will fail so this is important on the QS eh? and then probably the the the, the marketing uh, uh, or the planning uh, section was not done properly for example the the purchasing power of the area 
uh, was more towards terrace houses but the developers decided to build a detached or semi-detached house which was priced more and more expensive than what are the surrounding um, uh, household are uh, managed to buy so they make they can sell houses but not as much as they want so probably that's why the the project is uh, abandoned they know that this the the houses will not sell well so to reduce the risk to reduce the uh, loss they just abandoned the project the fourth one is uh, probably they have technical problems at the sites probably in terms of uh, soil conditions or um, weather or due to um, um, what you call that? Uh, banjir eh? probably due to banjir uh, probably due to lack of um, uh, soil investigation done eh? before before the costing was done eh? so due to technical problems they they just abandoned the project to save uh, maybe to save from paying um, uh, apa ni, by uh, before dealing with the lawsuits eh? and then number five um, they have squatters resettlement problems so before the project has been done on a squatters land so they have to remove they have to move the squatters to uh, new housing projects or PPRDC work but they didn't manage to do it on time which has dragging the progress on site which costing money to the developers so because they didn't manage to get the project on time they have a problem on sites maybe they have um, problem with the squatters squatters have sabotaged their sites um, maybe um uh, sabotage the machine for example right? for example so maybe they just decide to abandon and the last one is due to developers internal problems uh, probably due to um, mismanage of the uh, companies right so what are the implication of the abandoned housing project so like like we have uh, read in the, uh, the newspapers the house buyers are required to pay back their loans including the interest eh, to the banks and eh, to the financier and then the stakeholders such as the financiers landowners contractors developers and buyers will face different legal implications and this will create opportunities for certain parties to manipulate issues hence making further recovery efforts more difficult so if they can find the developers they will take a legal implication Okay, so that um, they have to do this uh, in order to buyer in, in order for the buyers to to reduce the cost that they have to pay, they have to find the developers and they have to do some legal action eh, to, to 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 reduce the the cost incurred to the buyers. But maybe the on 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 the developer sides, maybe what the problems they have is is between developers and landowners. So maybe there are also legal implication legal action between developers and landowners so um, it's uh, it's uh, what you call that um, very messy messy problem when it, it comes to legal action because as you know legal actions legal uh, cases will drag eh? one or two years maybe more eh? so so as a house buyer you still have to pay to the banks whatever happens if the cases is still ongoing the buyer still in by hook or by crook still have to pay their loans eh, to the banks and then what are the uh, other implications the appointed developers will face difficulty in getting capital injection because of their bad reputation eh, because of their um, uh, because they have completed the project then they get the um, 
a bad reputation, then probably they will not get any more financing eh, for the future projects. And uh, in more general terms, the Malaysia and property industry reputation will be jeopardized eh, when we we'll create negative perception to prospective home buyers from investors, uh, from investors uh, locally and overseas. Okay, uh, this is the rules of the uh, National Housing Department, Ministry of Housing and Land, uh, with with the efforts to minimize the um, abandoned housing project. I think this is um, is self-explanatory. You can re- read it on yourself. Um, it's very clear yeah? for existing developers, for wound-up developers. Uh, project without white knights and uh, last one letter confirming ownership of abandoned housing project the last one is used uh, by the house buyers to help to uh, minimize the impact of the abandoned housing projects um, to the buyers eh? by for example that's given there by reducing rates uh, restructuring of uh, housing loan allowing for EPF withdrawal to pay part part of the housing loans and so on. Eh? Okay, the actions taken by National Housing Department in addressing issues pertaining to abandoned housing projects, slide number 91. Uh, again, it is very straightforward. I think you can read it yourself. Uh, if you have question, you can we can discuss in the uh, Google Classroom. And then slide number ninety-two: housing buying options. So um, STB, yeah, sell then build, is the one that we are using now, meaning that the developers will sell the house before the building is being constructed. So the, pro, pro, uh, the, 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 the process is that the buyer, if they're interested, uh, when the developer, for example, they go to the mall, they open the kiosk and they sell the house without any construction whatsoever on the land. They are selling based on the uh, sketches, the lots, the plans, the price without any building constructed on site. Okay, but when the buyers agree, they will sign a sales and purchase agreement or uh, SNP. We call it SNP or some, some people call it SPA, eh? sales and purchase agreement. But normally people will call it SNP, okay? agreement. And as, as I mentioned before, the payment is, is paid by stages upon verification of uh, progress certificate. Eh? So the buyers will pay the interest to the banks eh, according to the percentage of completion like we discussed before. And after the building is completed, the buyer will pay the full amount, eh, the full monthly installment. So this is the standards that we are using. Eh? Sell, then build. Eh? You sell first, then you build. Sometimes you sell, although it's not finished, the if the developers manage to secure um, minimal amount of um, uh, buyers, they will start to do the project. If you go to the the uh, project eh, behind the summer mall, they're supposed to build uh, apartments eh, there. I remember they, 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 they do the uh, spam pile and they stop for a while and then uh, they stop and then they change the advertise, advertisement the the, the, the um, they change the advertisement and the the I don't know whether it is the, still the same company or not but they are they are quite they, uh, they are doing a lot of promotion and I saw a few people coming to the office and after that they start something eh? they, they start the um, the foundation works they continue with uh, after the piling they continue with the substructure works but at the at the, at the at this point of time I think they stop I don't know why 
whether they they fail to achieve the minimum quota before they proceed to the construction or i don't know i don't know what happens eh? so the um okay we stop here slide number 93 uh we discuss the other option of uh, housing delivery in the next podcast Welcome back. Uh, we continue with the uh, alternative options, uh, options of housing delivery in slide number 94. So the the alternative to sell than build is build than sell. The exactly the opposite, eh? Or BTS, eh? Uh, not the Korean pop group. Uh, so build build than sell. Eh? So build than sell means that the developer will sell the houses, the projects. After the completion with CF or CFO or CCC, so basically you are buying already a completed project, uh, which is similar to secondary market. So you are not buying a piece of paper yet. If you are using the sell and build system, you are buying a piece of paper. But if you buy the build and sell system, you buy a property. The property has been completed. You just need to pay and move in. However, um, by using build and sell, the house will be a little bit premium, a little bit, a little bit more expensive eh, due to higher uh, opportunity cost, the interest and holding cost, and also the reduction of risk eh, in 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 the in in yeah, sorry for buyers. Eh. The risk now is uh, held by the by the uh, developers. Uh, sell then build system. The risk is on the buyers. The risk is minimum to the developers, but build and sell, the risk is to the developers, but the risk to buyers is minimum, because the developers doesn't know whether they they can sell the whole projects or they just manage to sell 70% of the projects. Okay, so the risk is on the developers, so there will be a premium on that. So the government has amended the Housing and uh, Development Act. In 1960, to encourage uh, build and sell. However, there are there are developers using uh, build and sell. Uh, later, we discuss later. So the differences between uh, sell, build and sell, and sell and build. I think this is uh, self-explanatory. You can read it yourself. It's very straightforward. However, for build and sell, they have two options. Number one is 100% uh, completed, then they sell. The second option is the buyer need to pay 10% first. After the building is completed, then they have to pay another 90% uh, loans, uh, not not cash, uh, but loans. Other is 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 quite straightforward. I think you can understand. Again, if you if you have any question, you can ask in the Google Classroom. Okay, page 96 is similar, very straightforward. So what happened in build and sell system? So in page number ninety-seven, so the National Housing Buyers Association has expressed concern that there was no mention in budget 2017 of the build and sell concept, which was made mandatory from last year. So there are not many take not not many takers eh, from the developer side to to use this method to sell. And in um, logically, the developers who have a, a higher cash flow, higher capital, who are able to use the build and sell methods, because it is not they need a lot of capitals, cash to, and take a lot of risks to build first before they can sell. If if the traditional concept sell and build, the risk is more to the buyers, and the developer can get the payment progressively. So, so that is probably why the build and sell concept is unpopular for for the developers in Malaysia. Okay, Star Property HBA, Housing Building Associate applauds implementation of build and sell policy by KPKT. Okay. 
again uh, news about build and sell page number 99 okay some developers uh, this is example of a developers SHL consolidated has um, decided that they want to construct a uh, build and sell project uh, the project is in uh, on the way to uh, about 25 30 kilometers from Shah Alam it is on the way to Puncha Alam actually so the house is completed and um, they managed to sell all the house eh? so so page 100 this is the uh, projects uh, they have completed uh, they have semi-dis townhouse and villa residence villa court apartments eh? SHL is in the build and sell system and then the last one is a tier 1090 scheme however the funny thing is that I try to um, google tier 1090 but I cannot find it anymore um, uh, probably they they decided they although the, maybe the promotion period is finished or maybe they decided this method is not profitable to them I don't know why but I tried to search it but I cannot find it I don't know what happened you can try to pause this video I think this is the last slide anyway uh, maybe I just try to google now The one I can found is from 2016. SP Setia Banks on 1090 to boost sales. This is in 2016. The recent, okay. SPCTA.com, corporate 1090 FAQ. Uh, frequently asked question. The link is routed back to the main uh, website of SPCT eh? mm, probably they, they have the, 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 the program is obs, uh, supersede there's, there's no more projects using build and sell most probably I, I'm, I'm not sure but I cannot find it um, uh, in the in the websites eh? But anyway, uh, if you can find something about this, uh, uh, please share in the Google Classroom or we can do some um, discussion on this. So which one you prefer? You prefer build and sell or you prefer sell and build? Right, so we finished chapter 3. So we will continue with the next chapter, uh, the build, uh, sorry, <laughs> the life cycle course. Uh, this one is I, I will I will try to um, teach this on uh, using videos. Um, okay, let's see how it goes. Right, thank you very much. And uh, if you have any question again, uh, please ask in the Google Classroom. Right, thank you very.